On this episode of AV Week, the ups and downs of the world market and the impact that has on AV, marketing your company, and how to fire a customer. All that and more next on AV Week. The network for the AV industry. What are you listening to? This. This is AV. This. This. This is AV Nation. This is AV Nation. AV Week is brought to you by our fine group of underwriters, companies like Draper. This is AV Week, episode 210, recorded Thursday, August 27th, 2015. Time-sucking vortex. Ready. AV, AV Week. Performing scan. Week. Online. This is AV Week. This is AV Week, your weekly wrap-up of audiovisual news and information. My name is Tom Lombard. I am your host. With us is my buddy, my pal, the uh, guy I aspire to be, Mr. Tom Andre from AV Rant. How are you, sir? I'm doing very well, thank you. Absolutely. Uh, he, Tom is a uh, has a his podcast is called AV Rant, and he will answer all of your. Um, home auto, not home automation, but home theater questions. Uh, you do it every two, every Monday or every Tuesday. Uh, we switch to Mondays. We do Monday nights at uh, nine p.m. Eastern time. We record live. Uh, but you send your questions in before time beforehand to uh, our, one of our many email addresses, and we put you in the queue, and we answer every single question. So, and they all get answered. Usually on the podcast, if you're extra long or your questions are very, very specific, we will answer you directly and then uh, deal with it more generally on the podcast. But every question gets answered on the podcast. Very cool. All right. And also with us is Karen Lipschitz. Karen is from uh, Kramer, or, uh, Kramer Electronics in Israel. How are you, Karen? Hey, everyone. I'm well. Thank you. Good. And and just just for the heck of it, let's uh, let's play the whole time change game. Uh, I'm in Central. Tom's in Florida, so he's in he's in Eastern. Uh, this is roughly nine a.m. my time. So what time is it there, Karen? Five o'clock p.m. Five o'clock. She is staying over just for us, Tom. <laughs> I feel honored. I do too. You know, God love her. All right, let's let's kick this thing off. Um, couple of different things we're going to talk about this week. Uh, we're going to talk about how to get your stuff into some significant uh, installations. Uh, talk about how to get rid of really troublesome clients. Uh, it's a great blog that I wish I would have written, written honestly, because I've got some. Uh, difficult clients, not blogs. Uh, and also uh, talk about some uh, some new Phillips things. But first and foremost, holy crap, the stock market, which is not something we typically talk about here, um, has had a... A difficult time this week, and I'm not just talking about the U.S. stock market. From China all the way through to London and New York, uh, the stocks have taken up and down. The Dow Jones had its biggest loss, I believe, in history uh, this week. Not percentage-wise, but but point-wise. Um, Tuesday, it, it was actually up 200 points, and by the end of the day, was down um, I think it was like a 900-point swing between noon and, and, and th- uh, when the time market closed. Tom, we're going to hit hit you with this first and take it to Karen. What does that this type of, of activity on the stock market do to folks like Harman, to folks like you know publicly traded uh, AV companies? Um, does it make them nervous, or should it make us nervous as guys and, and gals who who purchase this stuff? 
Well, I, I the first thing that came to my mind was when I saw that uh, that China was having such a hard time. A lot of our electronics come from China. You know, that's where that's why we're able to keep these costs down. Is because we are able to source it out to China, and that's really great for our markets. We're able to sell these things at uh, a price point that people are expecting. If all of a sudden, you know, China's uh, uh, economy collapses or something happens where they have to raise prices, they end up raising prices quite a bit. You know, what's going to happen when you have when you're going into the store? I mean, right now, you can get like a 65-inch Vizio. Uh, what is it? This E series or the, the E series for like eight ninety five? I mean, that's a ridiculously cheap price. So if I'm in the manufacturing end, the first thing I'm thinking is, what's going to happen down the road for us? Uh, as far as the public's concerned, you know, I mean, personally, you know, I'm forty years old, forty three years old. I am not thinking of, uh, of market swings. Like they said, oh, the Dow dropped a thousand points on Monday or Tuesday, whatever it was. Like it was down to 15 something. I'm like, that was all the way, all the way up at 15. Because in my head, <laughs> like you know, <laughs> 10 years ago, whatever it was, I was like, if the Dow stays above 10,000, I feel pretty good about it. Yeah. So I was feeling like things were going well. But uh, I can understand people who are closer to retirement where they start freaking out quite a bit, and that's really understandable. But you know, the stock market is is the long game. It's not the short game. You know. It, what you're worried about really is whether or not these economies, that these swings are going to affect manufacturing costs. And for those manufacturers, how that's going to affect how, how they're going to be able to price their products in the future. Well, and you, you mentioned China, and, and that was kind of where this all started. China devalued its own currency mm -hmm. uh, a week ago now and um, knocked it down by 2%, two which is kind of what started this whole thing. And some of people were saying, that it was to help the manufacturing sector in China uh, because the, their currency is cheaper. It's it's cheaper to export it and then more expensive to import it and all this other jazz. Uh, is there any validity to that, you think, that, that that's what they're thinking is to get more product, more of their stuff out, out the door? Well, absolutely. That's what they want to do. They want to make sure that, that they're, they're, you know, if they can keep their prices, you know, internally low, well, then that, that makes their exports that much more attractive. Uh, you know, the way it really seems to be happening to me right there is, is that communist government is trying to straddle the line between having just enough capitalism to uh, keep the people in line, but not so much that they get thrown out of power. And that's a, it, frankly, it really seems to me, and I'm not an expert, I'm not an economist, it really seems to me that they are just not, now this is something that's completely new and it's something that they really don't know how to do very well. I mean, we've been doing capitalism for a long time and, you know, the housing market snuck up on us. I mean, how did that sneak up on us? I mean, how did we not know that was coming? There were certainly people who knew. Yes. Which they just either weren't being ignored or they didn't speak loud enough or, or whatever. So, you know, it, it, it's going to be interesting to see what happens in the future. No, it is. And it, it's kind of an interesting experiment, right? Uh, us in America say, you know, our, our, our democracy is a great experiment. That right there, the communist, the, 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 the Chinese form of government right now is, is an interesting experiment. Because you're right, it's, it's not a pure communist state. They, they've got enough uh, capitalism to make it interesting. So. Yeah. Uh, Karen, from your perspective, and, and not just Israel and not just Kramer, because Kramer is a, is, a, is a privately held company um, by Dr. Kramer, and, and um, you know, when it comes to the world economy and, and, and what you guys see as, as your products are in different places, um, has this made any impact in, in some of your guys' forecasting or some of your, your, your customers? What are you hearing back from, from the different segments in, throughout the world? I think that as manufacturers in general, uh, we're used to uh, ups and downs. 
And uh, China is not the first uh, country who, who we used to use as a manufacturer. Uh, think about it in the past, it, was, it used to be Japan, then it became too expensive, it went to Korea, and again it became too expensive, it went to Taiwan, and now we are manufacturing in China. So um, I think that if we manage correctly, uh, and we understand that sometimes uh, things become more expensive or less expensive, we will be able to manage it and, and, and uh, survive it um, in general as a manufacturer. Um, the problem is that China is a huge country and a communist one. Uh, and I totally agree with uh, Tom that uh, I think uh, it's caught them um, um, not, not that ready uh, for, for what happened. Um, and uh, the, the labor costs, which used to be really, really cheap, it's more expensive now. They are getting used to uh, buy things, enjoy from their money. There is a lot of money in uh, China going out. They are seeking to invest outside of China. Uh, they were uh, And we will uh, have to um, we will be able to, we will have education and so um, and if we manage ourselves correctly, uh, I think we will we will be able to pass it. We already see now that uh, the markets in Europe uh, started to raise, so um, I think we will have to wait and see. So let me ask you this, and, and this may be an unfair question, and you can tell me it is. Uh, when it comes to this, then, because it almost feels like that, as you, you use China as, as a manufacturer, is that almost like the stock market where the ebbs and flows and the ups and downs are going to happen, right? You know, Tom mentioned the fact that the, the stock market, in, in, especially in the U.S., is a long game. It's just Is this just going to kind of work itself out and yeah you might pay a little bit more because of the of the uh, currency exchange currently but in the long run it's going to be fine your guys's components aren't going to skyrocket you know and then never come down it's just going to kind of you know work itself out i think we will have to adjust um the margin will the margins that we are used to will not be the same it's same in china by the way they are, they they were used to uh uh, higher margins that they have now when the labor costs raised they are now they cannot raise the price of course because we are already used to low prices and they have to deal with it we will have to deal with it as well as well and our distributors and 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 integrators will have to deal with it the whole market will, will have to adjust um, I, th I think that we will have no other choice but to adjust um, but people buy more if you think about it um, if a small office used to buy uh, very uh, cheap equipment, now people are used to more and more electronics, so they buy more, your margin is smaller, but in the total, if you sell more, I think in the total we will be uh, okay. If, if we will manage it correctly, we will be okay. okay. The problem, of course, will be for the small businesses. They, they don't have a deep pockets, and, and, and they will suffer more. The small, the, the small businesses, the small businesses in China, or the small businesses that do business with China. No, no, no. Outside of China, okay. of course. Outside of China, everyone are manufacturing in China. Um, as a, as a as a large business with deep pockets, you can survive it. As a small business where where your margins are anyway very small, they will suffer much more than that. Right. I'm kind of also wondering if it it, it has to do with um, this emerging uh, middle class. In, in China, 
Um, I'm not an economist either, just like Tom. But th- this is one of those things Infocom a year ago uh, mentioned, uh, released a report that said that the the, well, the Asian markets in general, China, India, that the whole, that whole region, uh, is going to surpass the U.S. market uh, by the end of 2016. Uh, but by a, a small margin, but still, it's it's going to be a bigger AV market. And I'm wondering if some of that, what, what Karen mentioned, the fact that, that their workers are, are kind of demanding more. You've got this emerging uh, middle class who are, are purchasing more. You know, they're doing more. You know, those, those offices and, and those manufacturing plants are actually using products and, and, and putting those in. It's not just, um, you know, 20, 30, 40 years ago, you know, when, when Nixon famously went over to China for the first time. Uh, it's not the uh, the the hillside farmer anymore. You've got this this large manufacturing sector, and you've got this large middle class that is that are working in these factories, and they are demanding kind of a more uh, more rev- you know more income, and they're they're doing things with that income, like buying electronics. So it'll, it'll kind of be interesting to to follow along. Uh, all right, let's talk about uh, Philips and, and lights. Um, one of the things that that's it's been kind of happening is this whole Internet of Things. I would put this in there, Tom. You can disagree with me if, if you want on that, if, whether or not the the Philips lights and the these programmable lights, right? Let's let's kind of I, that's what I would call them. My my day job, I work for a company called Enovad. We're programmers, um, so I, I run a great uh, group of, of of folks who are programmers. That's why I would call this a programmable or a configurable uh, lighting system. They've they've had a couple out that were um, oh kitschy little change the color thing you know this new one though uh, and this is from uh, Engadget this one is different this one is an actual honest to goodness you can do stuff with this you don't have to run a whole bunch of, of wiring it's it is a, an Internet of Things type thing um, it's forty bucks to start so that right there the price point is great to, to me at least. Um, where are we going with with stuff like this, and and is this something that that folks uh, who do both Resi, uh, you know, integration and Resi automation, and folks like me who live primarily in in the pro or the commercial world need to worry about, or is this something that maybe we should we should kind of embrace? This is a, a really interesting uh, area for me because I am. Uh, really super lazy so like for you know i see this stuff i'm like that looks really fun i am totally not going to spend the time to try to figure that out but, but you there, got the running thing a, <laughs> well that's the thing that's the thing right it's getting to the point now where i can no longer use that excuse like i'm so late like all you literally have to do is screw in the light bulb you telling me you can't screw in the light bulb but we've got quite a few people that listen to the podcast we were talking about this this week uh this last week on the podcast about how it's getting to the point where you know, there's all these different little ways of uh, whole home automation that is becoming so accessible that it's really easy for you to do some of the really super basic things. Uh, we were talking about those nests and the, the, the thermostats you control over the Internet, and now we've got more stuff that's coming that you can control over at least your Wi-Fi. You know, but pretty soon it's going to be to the point where you're going to sign into a, a website and be able to control everything in your house. Now, there's the dangers, of course, the whole Big Brother or the somebody hacks your house and, you know, it turns into a rape. I don't know what's going to happen with that. But uh, the problem that I've always seen is that nobody wants to have to go to five different apps 
on their phone to control each little thing in their house. Like, okay, I got to get the blender app. I'm going to turn the blender on. Oh, look at the oven's still on at home. I can I have to go to this other app and turn it off. Oh, I'd like to change my thermostat before I get home, or you know, turn it down, uh, turn it up because I'm not there. Uh, here's this other app I have to go to. We, you know, what we want, what people really want, is a single interface, and that single interface is where you come, your custom installers come in. That's right now the selling point that I see. I can give you a single interface. You go here, and it will control everything you want it to control. Whereas your 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 residential person doesn't doesn't have that sort of access unless they want to get into some programming, which some do. I know guys that do it. Uh, but I, you know, right now that's the that's the barrier. That's the thing that's separating you guys from the the, the home installer, not the home installer, but that the, the home resident who wants to do some of the stuff themselves. I love this. I think it's a great idea. Uh, I'd like to put it in specific rooms. I think it would be great. Uh, that being said, it is not a whole home solution as of yet. It's just one other way to control one thing. Once this, you know, harmony is really getting to the point where that it interfaces with everything, but you still have to be in the house. You still have to be on Wi-Fi for their little hub thing to work. You cannot go from your, you know, from the internet, you know, at work and go and control all your stuff in your house yet. Yet, they'll probably figure out some way to do it, but they haven't done it yet. And that's uh, that's that's where I would be concerned as a custom installer. I'd be concerned that somebody like Harmony is just going to decide to really take everything over, and they can do it if they want to. Yeah, and, and they've got the market share. I mean, they've got the mind share because I, I still remember the first Harmony remote I ever, I ever saw was, um, good Lord, 15 years ago now, uh, where it was, you know, programmable. You, you plugged it in USB. You told it which uh, devices you had in your home theater, and it, it, it downloaded the IR drivers, and away you go. I'm kind of surprised, though, you, you mentioned that. I'm kind of surprised they haven't figured out how to how to make an app that, that lets you you know, drill in through the internet. Um, well, Nest is the same way. Nest, you can, you can, when you're in the house, you can control it directly from the app. But what's really happening when you're on wi when you're off of your Wi-Fi, is you press, you know, you press the button and it sends the signal to Nest. Nest comes up with uh, a, a way to, to determine that you are the, actually the person that's supposed to be controlling this, and then it sends the signal back to your house. So you have to give it like access and everything like that. So that's the that's the very they there's no way to just IP it directly. Uh, yeah. at least not that I'm aware of. I I could be wrong, but I'm pretty sure that's the way it works. No, it, it is. I mean that I've I've got it. the only IoT thing I think I have, let me make sure about this, is is a nest. And you're right, it's a it's a login and password. You 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 say, you know, you're right, you know, I want to you know get home from, from the office. It takes me half an hour. I wanna, you know, cool down the house or what have you. Um, mm-hmm. so uh, Karen, from from Kramer's standpoint, what do what do you guys think about this whole Internet of Things area of of technology and of of, of AV when it comes to not just the home but also uh, also commercial? Because you know, let's be honest, over the last you know five or ten years, a lot of of residential stuff, a lot of things that are are built for the home have made their way into corporate. You know, uh, the the Apple TV is the thing that comes to mind most readily but but other things have as well what are you are you guys watching the internet of things and, and what's your guys position on it first of all i want to say that i totally agree with uh John. if you can beat them join them and i'm kind of happy that there are all kinds of components of do it yourself because the human nature um is that when we have something we want the next thing the bigger one the, the stronger one and, and 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 the better one so um what those components are doing, they are creating a demand which was not accessible to uh, 
the common people. It was accessible to the people who has you know a big home, a lot of money, and everything. It's 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 not it's not a general population, and those things are actually creating a demand which was not there uh, two, three, four, five years ago. It wasn't there, so uh, it's actually opening a door for us for the mass market. Um, it's becoming cheaper, and our added value is actually uh, to to add um, the overall um, um, programming and, and control application. People would, would not like anymore to have uh, to press uh, a button, even even if it's on your iPhone, to press a button that uh, close uh, this light and that light, and then the shades, and then the door, and then the alarm, and 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 turn off the air conditioning. They would like scenarios. So I'm going. I'm entering home, and I want a scenario, which means air conditioning is on, and and um, and the lights are on, and, and and the music is on, and and when I'm going to sleep, I want a scenario of going to sleep, and I'm, when I'm opening the TV and I want to watch it, I want a scenario of watching TV, and this is something that most people can't do by themselves. So this is where we step in. And our uh, control application can uh, connect to any of those components. We have drivers for almost every component in the market, including the Philips Hue, which, by the way, we were using as part of our demo in ISC um, 2015. So uh, we are using them. We are integrating them. And uh, it's, it's, a, it's a nice thing to have. And, and I think for us, I see it as, as, an, as an advantage and not disadvantage. It's not a competition. It's, it's something that opens the door even for us. Yeah, absolutely. Uh, all right, from our buddies over at avinteractive.com, uh, ClickShare helps the Amsterdam RAI, Karen mentioned ISV 2015, to truly connect people. The RAI is, and I don't know if I'm saying that right. I'm just going to say the RAI because I say the RAI and I screw it up. Uh, the RAI is where... ISE is held, uh, has been for the last few years. Um, the story really isn't about ClickShare, good for ClickShare, good for Barco, you know, they've, they've got all that. Karen, we're gonna start with you on this. A as a manufacturer, how do you get stuff like that, right? How do you get your, your products into large installations like that that help you guys brand, help you guys market, uh, but also helps out the, the, the client and the institution you know, come up with a, with a solution that they're trying to solve, you know, so, trying to solve a problem. So we are working in two ways. There is the B2B business, meaning that we are uh, familiar with the integrators and installers and, and uh, consultants which are working with this specific customer, if it's a bank, if it's the army, if it's a, um, or a government or, or, or the right, for example. Uh, we are contacting him trying to understand uh, what is the demand and trying to find the best solution for him. So if we are building the solution based on, of, of course, our components, um, it's easier for him to uh, integrate it. And, and, and it's an added value. The, the other option is, of course, to go directly to the customer uh, and explain why our products will have an added value. Same as probably Barco we're doing with Clickshare. Um, they introduce it and, and convince the right that um, presenting will be easier using their product. So if, if we are contacting directly the customer, we are creating the demand from the market and the customer is coming to its integrator and saying, we want to buy Kramer. 
So there are two options to do it. We usually are trying to understand what is the best option. If our customer is not an educated one, we will prefer to go to this distributor, of course. Tom, it, it's a little different question because you, you're not a manufacturer, but you know, is there are some? How do I put this without getting myself in trouble? There are manufacturers that I know that are working with high-profile clients that they're high-profile enough that they, they basically tell the, the manufacturer, yes, we want your stuff. No, you can't say anything. <laughs> so it, this, could be the C, this could be the CIA. This could be the NSA. It could be the KGB, for crying out loud. Uh, I'm not saying it's any of those. As a matter of fact, I'm saying it's not any of those. I'm just giving those as examples. Uh, I'm getting myself on a freaking government list sometime. Uh, but how do you do that then? I mean, if if you're you're doing the due diligence, you're doing what Karen said, which is you know you're working with the the client and you're you know helping them out and helping them solve uh, a problem. But in the end, you don't really get the the marketing oomph out of it. What's what's kind of the best solution there? Well, that's uh, you know because the whole point of doing this is to get your name out there and to be able to put on your your list. Hey, I worked with so and so; they've used our stuff. Uh, you know, at that point, you know, from the standpoint of the consumer, if you know, if I, if I haven't heard of you, you know, it, all it takes is somebody to uh, 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 make a product that looks similar to yours, so that I, if I've seen that product, like say I go to CES. And at every little, uh, at every table, there's some sort of hand scanner thing, and they I, they had that years ago where you put your card in it or something like that, and that's how you entered. All, and that's how they knew where you had gone and, and entered you into contests and all that. So um, if I saw if they went if they made that be non-branded and they didn't announce that they had used that, if I went to a different if I went to a store and saw that, said, oh, I used that at CVS, that that seemed to work really well. I think I'll use that for my event. Well, you know. All it takes is somebody else to make a product that looks similar to basically steal your customers, in essence. So it, it's a you know from my standpoint as a consumer, it doesn't do me any good not to know your name. So I'm wondering from the manufacturer standpoint, you know if you're going to be if you're going to end up helping out this company and doing all this work, yes, you get the sales, you know initially or whatever whatever money you're getting up front, but. What are you going to lose in the long run? So it's got to be like a, a a real decision on the manufacturer's part or the the, you know, the seller's part. Hey, you know, if we're going to get a lot of exposure but no fame or credit from it, is it really going to be worth uh, worth doing this? Would it be our money be better spent elsewhere, or you know, would we be better off just being an advertiser or a, uh, uh, a you know have a booth at, at that at that event? Uh, personally, like you know, uh, with this click share. Uh, specific product. The thing that first thing that came to my mind is, you know, they're they're basically you know, helping, you know, putting their their product at every single booth is what it sounded like to me, so that you could, you know, you could, you could try it out, you know, there. And there, you then again run into a da in danger if 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 Kramer goes and and is the main sponsor and is doing all this stuff and you get their names all over it and then something technologically goes wrong, you're like. There's that entire audience is going. Oh yeah, well it was kind of cool, but uh, that one time it wasn't. Is the thing that's going to stick in their mind. So you ha you have to you know make sure that uh, that everything goes 100 percent as well. Well, and that that's a good point. The other point is you know as you know let's take Christy because Christy has a similar um, solution. Uh, Kramer has a similar solution. You know a number of manufacturers have a similar one. If you're that manufacturer, 
you go to that show, how do you feel when it's 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 almost like your competition and and not that you're being forced to use it, but it's right there, you know. Um, uh, all right, this is my favorite article probably of the year so far, and it's written by a guy. Uh, my name is Stuart Bryant uh, from Commercial Integrator. You're fired. When to call it quits with clients? Technically, part one. So ostensibly, Mr. Bryan will write a second part. But here's what we got. Uh, in, in the article, he, he says, quote, unquote, as my partner and I have been growing our business over the last 11 years, there have been times, especially in the beginning, where we would take on clients who would turn into time-sucking vortexes of frustration. God, I love this guy's wording. <laughs> they would bring stress into the office, whether in the service department, sales department, or accounting department. Whatever it was, it was a chronic problem. Uh, I think I said this off the air as, as the, the three of us were kind of getting together. I've been planning on writing this very article myself, and I'm glad he did it because, you know, he can piss off his customers and I don't have to. But, you know, here's the thing. There are customers like this, right? There are customers. I'm not sitting here saying that I am the world's best business person and I am the world's best customer service person. There are times that I have absolutely screwed up and, and people have every right to call me on the carpet when I do. Absolutely. But there are these time-sucking vortexes of frustration. Uh, Tom, we'll start with you on this one. The best question I'm going to ask, and I'll ask it to Karen too, how do you fire clients? How do you fire people giving you money? Yeah, that's a tough one. I, uh, you know, I've been in the situation a number of times before. You know, uh, you know, in in, in the past, uh, uh, and even uh, uh, Audioholics, the website that I, I wrote for for years and still write for every once in a while, they, uh, you know, there have been clients where you just, you know, I, I don't deal with them directly because I'm just a, a, a writer, but I hear the stories. You know, and at that point, you're like, listen, what is you know, what is the money? How much is the money? Is it really worth it? Not only is it a, it's a, a, a time suck and a frustration, but really it ends up being a dollar. You know, it's almost calculation. You know, I'm spending this much time just thinking about this person. I don't spend that much time thinking about my wife or my kids. Is this really <laughs> worth it? You know, and at that point you have to you know decide that, hey, you know, we're kind of done at this point. You and I are going to set or just don't renew your contract or change that dollar amount to say, okay, if I'm going to spend this much time on you, this is how much I, it's, it, it's really costing me to, to have your business. Therefore, I'm raising your price. And if you don't like it, well, then you're going to have to find somebody else to annoy. Uh, and I think that's the best way to fire them is just actually give them the dollar amount that make, that was, is worth it to you. Because, uh, you know, those incessant midnight, 1 a.m. phone calls and emails absolutely can can kill you not just you know emotionally and for yourself but for the rest of your clients and if you're coming to work exhausted and stressed out because of this one client you're not going to be given the service to the rest of these other paying clients that you should so there's a cost associated there as well that's a great great point is you know let's let's quantify exactly how much they're costing you right and yeah. say okay you know here here's the dollar amount here here's you know this is what me Working with you is worth, um, and and Tom is right. You know, if it's if it's not worth that to them, then they'll 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 find somebody else to uh, to, to suck the time out of. Um, Karen, from your standpoint, and you've got a little different uh, scenario, but you still have clients. I'm certain 
that you have time-sucking vortexes because your clients are a lot of similar to my clients because we both work with, with integrators. How do you tell someone, you know, thanks but no thanks? I think for us it's a little bit uh, a problem because uh, you never know uh, which uh, tenders or, or larger customers those integrators will, will have in the future. So when you calculate it today, uh, it's never the... Uh, um, the calculation, it, it, it doesn't have to be the one that will be in the future, you know, maybe in the future it, it, it will be worth uh, working with this uh, distributor. So I'm, I'm, I'm not in favor of closing doors, um, but again, yes, you need to do this calculation of, of the time you are spending for each customer and uh, limit service. Uh, you can charge, uh, you, you can calculate your discounts. So. I think you are doing a balance, but still, I don't think that uh, we are in a place that we can fire uh, distributors or integrators or consultants, unfortunately, by the way. Yeah, absolutely. Uh, I believe we have Joe now. Joe Whitaker from Jay Whitaker uh, Designs. How are you, sir? Doing well, doing well. Good. Uh, so, so let, let's talk about the way. Congratulations, Joe was one of the, the new 40 under 40s for commercial integrator, uh, where this article came from. Um, how do you fire clients? How do you how do you tell them? You know, we, we no longer want to work together. Well, when when we do it, we do it a lot like businesses. Who are our clients? Do that. Um, everybody looks at the at the bottom line in the commercial market. So when a client comes to the point where they are either uh, frustrating enough to my guys that it, that it actually takes away from the job or that the uh, time expense starts actually taking over. Um, you just have to sit down and have that business meeting with them. And on the commercial side, it's a lot different from the residential side as far as, you know, what people call firing the client. Um, they, they have respect for that type of conversation because they have fired plenty of people. A lot of these uh, big businesses use, um, you know, they use cleaning crews, they use... Uh, night maintenance crews, and when those night maintenance crews, for some reason, are too expensive, well, they have to have the conversation with uh, that vendor that we're going to have to let you go. Us as integrators have to look at it the exact same way. We have to look at our bottom line, our profit model, um, how our employees are actually doing within a job, and we have to evaluate whether that job is good for our company. So the easiest way to do it is simply schedule a meeting and hash it out and say, you know, your job is just not a fit for our company. Um, we actually have in the last year done this a couple of times. And in most cases, um, one we kept in particular and one we did let go, uh, fired a client, I guess you could call it. And I actually referred them to another integration company. I said, there's somebody else who might be a better fit for you. And, and that kind of keeps it a little a little better because they, they may get another company or decide to have one of their own people do it themselves and then they all of a sudden establish a value to you. Because, um, I mean, we're integrators. We're a value-based service at the end of the day. So we have to be able to show what we're worth to be able to actually attract them in and, and vice versa. That's a very good point. That's a very good point. I like that because, you know, and, and, and kind of all three of you said the same thing. I like what Joe said there. Refer them to somebody else. You know, don't just you know cut them out, cut them loose, and, and put them out you know in the street cold. Say, you know what? 
here, here's, 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 here's cards of three or four other folks that you might want to work with. Um, and then you call those people and, and warn them that you gave them somebody's card. <laughs> so, uh, from Innovate, uh, from InnovateOnTheNet.net. Scientists create flexible LEDs that can be woven into fabric. <clears throat> so, yeah, it's a little weird and it's a little off base a little bit, but really it's, it's more about LEDs and kind of digital signage and stuff. Uh, Karen, we'll start with you from a manufacturing standpoint and, and your manufacturer's standpoint. Um, you need to get video. You need to get some sort of thing into this. Um, LEDs are becoming more and more prevalent in everything from you know, wearable technology to literally you can put a sweater on and, and it can be you know wearable technology. Uh, how do you how do you integrate and how do you watch things like this and things like you know OLEDs and, and as this this technology kind of evolves, you know where do you guys step in and say okay now it's ready for us to to concern ourselves with now it's ready for us to to make a product that that uh, integrates with this. Well, if you ask me as a woman, I would say it's a great idea because I can use the same dress but have each time different color. <laughs> That's <laughs> a very good point. My mind when I read this article is, wow, that's great. I won't have to, to, you know, choose the shoes that are fit to the color. I just choose the color and that's fit. But I, um, it's not about me. So. Uh... <laughs> oh, it is. It's all about you. <laughs> But again, we're still uh, in a little bit different industry and not dresses. Uh, well, usually we are trying to, we, are, we, we like innovation and, and we're trying to be an innovative company. So we are seeking constantly for new technologies um, and uh, we are trying them. We are contacting the company, we are taking development kit, we are trying to study uh, and, and, and design a product which is uh, not for mass production, but um, uh, for development purposes. Um, and if we see a real advantage coming out of it, uh, you need to take into consideration how much it will cost you to develop, how much it will cost you from uh, build material point of view. So will it be cost effective? Will, be, will you be able to sell it? Will you be able to find the right uh, price for it, which will leave you with a nice margin? So uh, there are a lot of things to take into consideration. Uh, sometimes uh, uh, we jump into the pool, you know, and, and, and try it. And sometimes we say, okay, we will uh, uh, we will wait for our competitors to see what they are doing before we uh, uh, we, are, we are taking the next step. So uh, I think with with this specific uh, uh, technology, uh, digital signage probably will be the first thing that. Uh, uh, will use it because uh, for, for, for corporates or uh, you know even for, for entertainment uh, it, it's, an, it's an option but I can't see anything else coming out of it unless you want to send your kid with uh, you know with a frozen uh, <laughs> uh, film on it on his belly or something. Oh, that would be not distracting at all in the classroom. So <laughs> we'll have to deal with new things. They thought that cellular phone are 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 annoying. So let's see them deal with the sweater coming with an LCD on it. Yeah. Uh, all right. We'll, we'll take it a little bit to uh, to the residential side and, and and you know, so it's fabric, right? So Joe, we'll, we'll kick this. We'll kick this to you. Um, 
curtains, shades, things of this, of this nature, you can have not only digital signage, but you could have, you know, a situation where, I don't know, American football is coming up. So you could have shades that has one game on and another shade that has another game on. You know, is this something that's interesting? Are you, are you watching this or is this still too experimental? I don't think it's too experimental because you can look at this as kind of um, the same spot of the beginnings of when everybody got into the LED lighting and then Philips came out with the Hue and it was kind of gimmicky. And now you're starting to see that huge in the commercial space, but it just kind of got its, its foothold in the residential space. This application is going to be one of those things because you're going to most likely see, I've heard, some interesting things come out of this. You're going to be, you're going to see wall plates that are actually backlit with that thread. Hmm. Them using that kind of LED to actually create a really slim backlight. Um, for it to be a display, I think that is, it's going to be far off to be any kind of display that would be residentially accepted where we're already told that our 1080p is no longer good enough. We need 4K. I'd like to see them try to weave a 4K TV. I'm just saying. Um, you, you know, it, it's going to be it's going to be a lot different. I, I think it'll never jump that far in residential because OLED will be the be the way to go. Um, it's but it's too early to tell. Who knows what they're going to do with it? It might just be a a nice T-shirt you get at a trade show um, that lights up the logo. Who knows? It, it's it's way too early in the game to even assume what they're going to do with it. Yeah. All right. I'm going to pick on Mr. Andrew for a second because he has a really cool T-shirt. Um, uh, <laughs> if you're watching the video, he has Groot. All right. And Starry Night Groot. Yeah. It's it's well. Yeah. Starry Night Groot. So not only does he have Groot, but it's also you know a Van Gogh-ish Groot. <laughs> uh, so imagine that that's an LED, Tom, and you know it's you know it's Groot walking into the Starry Night. I don't know. Uh, is this is this interesting or is this, is it kitschy still? We don't see them like that and it's going to happen. I see, you know, them being, maybe, maybe being able to make this shirt light up that's in certain spots and that sort of thing. Or as uh, Karen said, which I didn't think about it, but what she said was really cool, like being able to change the color. Maybe it's got two or three different colors that you can switch to. I don't see it being as programmable as an actual display. The first thing I thought was I am finally going to be able to dress up like Tron. Right? I'm going to get yeah. the Tron thing going on. That's the first thing I thought. And the second thing I thought is, how are you supposed to watch this and not have it disintegrate or break? Or, or break something? or so short th out. There's, certain, there's certainly a lot of uh, technological things that have to they have to explain right. to me before this happens. But uh, I, uh, oh yeah, and ironing it too. Like, no starch. Uh, but uh, yeah, it, it's very, very interesting. Uh, for example, my son, the school he's going to, they have a dress code. It's not a very strict one. It just says... Uh, you know, play, you know, shorts and stuff that are a certain length and uh, that are that are not don't have holes in them. And but the shirts all have to have no real logos, nothing, no words or anything on there. They have to be just sort of plain. Like this would be a great option where you're at school, your shirt is plain, and then you switch it on, and it then it displays like the frozen logo or the frozen, uh, as Karen was saying, or this maybe. But you know, it, it's it gives you some options in your clothes. Kitschy, yeah. At least for now, I don't really see a huge, uh, huge integration. But as you were saying with curtains, I thought you know this would be great in home theater. You know, you have either you can darken them, so you go from having you know clear curtains that you know like light and everything else into a home theater, and then you can press a button and they 
they black out in, in those blackout drapes, or they glow. So you're no longer mm. worrying about sconces and lights and stuff like that. You're like, oh, my curtains glow, and then you can seal the dust on them and stuff. But whatever, the, you know, they'll they'll be fine. So, you know, it's 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 got some interesting possible applications. It, I, it still feels really early to me. Uh, as Joe said, you know, it didn't take that long for these Philip Hue lights and these other things to come around. So I expect about five years we'll know whether or not whether this is going to be something that's going to be real, or, right. or if it's just going to be another, you know. Thing that happened and we forgot about it you brought up something though does anybody still do those star fields in home theaters i hope you know not <laughs> <laughs> you can just use this and have all kind of starry starry night up on your ceiling in your theater see i like the star fields i think that's cool I, I haven't done one in probably i don't know 10 years but they were cool in like 93 <laughs> big in 93 big. let's bring 93 back that was a fantastic year. it wasn't a bad year it was you know it was a good year it was a good it was year a good year i was 19 it was you know having fun fujitsu was popular then too what was it fujitsu oh geez never mind don't bring back no, no, no don't bring back 93 maybe 93 <laughs> all right uh from john siaka and residentialsystems.com how to market your business like a pro. Specifically, he's talking about CI business, but we're going to talk about it in general. He's got a quote on here, which I absolutely love. Doing business, this is from Stuart Henderson Britt. Doing business without advertising is like winking at a girl in the dark. You know what you're doing, but nobody else does. Uh, I've never winked at a girl in the dark, but I get the, 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 uh, the sentiment. Uh, Joe, we'll start with you on this. Uh, to to John's point, you know, how exactly are you supposed to to market uh, when it comes to you know talking directly to the to, to the customer, uh, regardless of who that customer is? It's it's kind of funny that on the residential space, um, it, it is it has changed so much, just the landscape. So a lot of other companies have started doing the work for us. You mentioned some of them earlier: Nest, um, Philips, GE. Samsung, they're starting to do the work with us on the tech for us on the technology side, and they have pretty much the best outward facing appearance to consumers and our potential clients, which kind of makes it a, a lot of integrators don't realize that the template is already built for you if you go out there and seize it. And in our market, we have to change that every one to two years. We really have to reevaluate the way that we look to the outward facing consumer, the way they look at us. I'm in the middle of a website design myself right now um, because you look at Sonos's website, Nest website, and you look at websites three, only three, five years ago, how it has changed for the outward facing portion, being able to integrate social media in there. Um, and now there's some really hot things that, that we're, we're toying with like um, S-Commerce. S-Commerce is great. Say I have a special within my shop on Sonos or Sony 4K TVs or whatever, and that actually goes out on LinkedIn and on Twitter as a post with a buy now button built right onto the tweet. So you, you oh, I'm looking at my Twitter feed. Oh, wow, $500 off a of Sony 4K TV. Buy now, sure. Boom, press the buy now button. You're now at the shopping page and in checkout. So, you know, being able to keep up is the hardest things for integrators because even though we're technology guys, we're, we're, kind, we're not teenagers. You know, we're, we're kind of behind the times on, on the way things are supposed to look, but all these companies have already built it for us. Any integrator, all they have to do is look at the way Sonos is doing their business and marketing, 
look at Nest, look at those guys, and there's a template already built that is acceptable. And that reevaluation, I, I cannot stress how important that is right now. I know you guys, have you guys seen new, the new marketing literature coming out from Cedia for, Ex, uh, for Expo this year in Dallas? The, oh, I've seen some of it, yeah. Yeah, so you know, it's, it's, it's a, it looks a little different, it mm -hmm. feels a little different. That's kind of one of those reevaluation things. You kind of have, yeah, look, he's got one right there. See, it's a, it's a reevaluation, something different, mm -hmm. something, and um, looks very minimalistic. Uh, yeah, uh, second one kind of looked like put that on, on integration companies as well. You've got to reevaluate. You've got to change with the market. All right, Mr. Andre, how do how do we talk to uh, you know whether it's you know talking to you specifically or talking to the people who are trying to put in home theaters or, or do it themselves? So uh, this web, this particular post, the six ways of whatever or whatever. Uh, first of all, it's really kind of five ways. The, there's five ways, and the sixth one is if we're your marketing firm, please don't fire us. We're trying. Uh, so, uh, and the fifth one is don't forget snail mail, which kind of makes sense if you're in a, uh, uh, a a local market and you're trying to market around here. You know, uh, most of the marketing comes from uh, just literally signs on the you know vans that are that have the wraps on them with all the, the, the names and stuff like that and I think that Joe makes a good point a lot of these companies are already doing the, 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 the uh, a lot of the work for you you know they you know customers know about nest they know about some of these these lighting solutions and that sort of stuff so just putting those things on the side of your van while your guys are driving around you know they are they are seeing that they go oh yeah I know what that is these guys install it okay I've been thinking about that maybe I'll give them a call and see what they have to say hmm. uh, you know the rest of this you know it really kind of felt the whole article kind of felt out of touch to me because th this is not marketing specifically for customer installers this is just one-on-one marketing if you go because I mean I've written what four three five five books now uh, six books. Oh my, oh my, six. I don't know. Anyways, I self-published three of them. And when you self-publish, you have to market yourself, obviously. And this is exactly the same marketing stuff, aside from the snail mail, that they will talk about constantly with book sales. You know, like, you need to get a newsletter list. You know, you can keep a website up. Keep it fresh. Keep it, you know, like, hey, I'm sorry, people really don't read blogs that much anymore. It's just kind of passe, but that's what this thing is saying. Really, what Joe is saying makes uh, a little bit more sense. You know, it's all about. I think businesses. It's all about Twitter. It's all about uh, you know just every you know a couple times a day. Facebook is good too. It's still relevant, I think. You know, a couple times a day, making sure that there's something that's going through, and if you have a deal or something like that, making sure your customers know about it. But frankly, you know, word of mouth, especially in a local area, is king. There is nothing nothing better than doing a good job, and once that starts getting around letting people know that you install the sort of things that they're interested in and that they've heard of from these other companies uh, like uh, you know even if it's just the speakers you know uh, name brand speakers is something that you know will draw their attention and, and get you at least into a, a telephone conversation and from there it's all on you to uh, make sure that you impress them enough to, to hire you and to think that you are a good value well, and I would also take that that small community thing a little bit further. You mentioned you know making sure that you, you know, advertising and word of mouth is important, you know, in your local community. I would also say that that word of mouth and and customer testimonials 
are important in small little niche communities as well. Right. I mean, there there are a handful of folks who are technology managers or a handful of fo- folks who are, you know, CTOs and CIOs. They talk to each other, you know, whether that's they read the same things, they um, they watch uh, the same podcast, they, they watch the same news programs and they do indeed, you know, learn from each other. So if you do a good job with one CTO, good chance that 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 one will at least, um, you know, mention you. The opposite is true as well. If you do a bad job, I, I, I want to say that the uh, the metrics on this is like if you do a good job, you know, one client will tell, you know, one or two people. You do a bad job, that one person is going to tell 10 to 15 people. And that's true whether it's commercial integration or it's restaurants or whatever it is. That that kind of holds true throughout that. So, all right, Miss Karen, you you've got the last word on this. Uh, as from a manufacturing standpoint, how do you how do you market? Well, in a world where uh, you don't co- uh, congratulate your friends, you write on their wall, uh, you don't talk with them, you text them, and you don't tell them things. You just send them a link to your uh, Google photo album. I think uh, we still are missing the human touch. People, you know, we are human in the end, and and we like. Uh, the human touch, and uh, I think that uh, if you get closer to people, you get to know them, and uh, and 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 face to face personally, uh, they will think of you first when they need something. So I still believe in doing things face to face. For example, you can host uh, a, a small event, a little bit of beer afternoon with with some snacks, uh, bringing something. I don't know if you are selling TVs, so. Uh, if it's a football night, just uh, have a host a football uh, night uh, uh, using your own displays with uh, some beer and something, and people will remember you are selling TVs. And, and, and if you will teach them something, they will remember you are uh, a knowledge base. And, and, and I think that they will remember you better than uh, your, uh, your uh, you know, flyer or, or your post on the Internet. So if, if I, I believe in, in keeping in touch with people. Mm, that's a very good point too. You know, is, I'd, is, I'd like to add one one little mm-hmm, final yeah. thing. So it, it, it should be like a challenge to all the uh, AV Nation watchers out there. Uh, this this article we were talking about 1993. This is the way you would market in 1993. So yeah. everything has changed. I really challenge everybody to to really reevaluate um, the way that their outreach is. We all know word of mouth is best. I'm gonna just experiment with some weird things, and I'm just gonna. My business card is not going to have my name on it anymore. It's just going to see, follow me on Twitter at, there it is. And there's all the information right on their fingertips. These things are changing so much with, like I was talking about, S-commerce. And then there's a lot of, of marketing strategies. These are in everybody's hands all the time now. And they're not being utilized for marketing in, in the commercial or residential space. And we really need to... Just like it was said, that personal touch, the personal touch for our generation has changed. You know, the face-to-face is important, and that's how you close a deal, but you have to be able to get in there first. And if 50% of the time this is in my hand, I need to figure out a way to get into your phone. Not in a creepy way. Just kind of get into your phone and actually be able to push this content to you so that you have it all day. So um, I, I really want to challenge all the watchers at AV Nation to not to quote Jeremy Burkhart, but you know, be different, be better, or be first. Get in that be different because 
in, in most of our big mar uh, the markets for commercial and residential, you most likely have 14 to 20 competitors. What makes you different in your region? Yeah. And, and that's really what's going to start selling is, is people are looking for different now. That's why they go watch cat videos on YouTube. They want different. But, so, I mean, we've got to start thinking of it that way as people are, are they're digesting content differently now than when any of us right here started our companies, you know, and started business. Things are a lot different now. Well, you, you, you could do worse than, than quoting Mr. Burkhart. So, you know, he's, he's a pretty he's, smart guy. He's a good friend of mine. So, I, you know, I had to throw it in there because that's one of those <laughs> mantras that I really believe is um, it's, it's kind of important right now as the industry changes. Yeah. To build on what uh, Karen said too, I uh, I was at a restaurant waiting for my wife to get there. Uh, her, her and the kids were riding the bikes, and I drove because exercise. Uh, <laughs> now, so just I'm for the record, if you're not hang on, if you're not watching this, Tom is like 120 pounds soaking wet. I'm like 450. So you know, <laughs> do, yeah. So I, I'm sitting outside this restaurant waiting, and there's a custom installed place. I see these vans all over the place, like Bob's install. I don't remember what it's called. Anyway, so it's down. It's just a couple, a uh, couple of businesses down. So I pop in there. I want to see what he's selling. I want to, see, you know, maybe get some demos, you know. And there's something to be said for the personal touch, yes, but also the excitement. Like you never really know who that person is that's walking in. And I always look like this. This is what I look like all the time. You can look at me and go, "That's an AV guy right there." Now, maybe a movie buff, but not an AV guy. So I walk in. And I'm just like kind of asking around and stuff like that. And the guy would answer my questions sort of but that was about it and i've thought you know this i i would like to geek out right now and you are totally geek blocking me so let's you know can we in some way you know get excited about what you do and let's really talk about it because even if i'm not going to buy something I mean, what else are you going to do you're literally sitting behind the counter right now looking at your phone we could be talking about all this fun gear in here so uh, to build on what Karen said, there's, there's that personal touch. And I think that personal touch comes through not only face-to-face, -face, but it also comes through in your Internet posts, in your tweets, and everything else about how, you know, be, getting that excitement out there that you are excited about what you do and about doing it for other people. Yeah, absolutely. Because here's the thing. I mean, it, 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 I, I've said this to my guy, the folks who work for me. I've said it to you know pretty much anybody that listened. This is not rocket science, right? Nobody's. This is not brain surgery. No one's going to die, but it's freaking exciting. It's it's a it's a great industry to be in. It's a very exciting industry to be in. And holy cow, you know whether it's new products or or, or meeting new people. And connecting with them. I mean, Joe mentioned Joe mentioned uh, Jamie Burkhart, one of the most exciting people that I've ever had the chance to meet, just in general, right? And he's very excited. And he's very passionate about what he does, and you know, not only his products, but also you know the science behind it and, and developing new things. So yeah, I mean, you, you, Tom's right. You you've got to get excited. And you have to. If you're not excited, if you don't wake up every morning excited to go to work, go do something else. Seriously, I mean. It, it, Go, you know, be an accountant or something. I don't know. All right. That's exciting. Because that's why well, it is to some people. Numbers excite some people, you know. You know very, very boring. Bernanke. I don't know. All right. Joe Whitaker. Uh, thanks so much for joining us, sir. Um, if, uh, if Joe Whitaker designs. And he's a brand spanking new 40 under 40 from Commercial Integrator. So that, that, that was exciting. You know, you know, I, I'm so that was a, a surprise and a shock. 
uh, because the names on that list, if, if you guys have looked at those names, those are all amazing people. Yep. Yeah, it's it's a really great list. Um, how can people get a hold of you? You mentioned that you're not going to do your your name. So so what is your Twitter Twitter handle? It's just Joe underscore tech underscore guru. Easiest in the world. Joe Tech Guru. All right, sir. Thanks so much. Uh, also, and and if you you want to hang out with Joe, go to Cedia Expo this year. Uh, it's in Dallas, so uh, he'll he'll be there hanging out with the Cedia folks. Uh, also with us is Mr. Tom Andre from the AV Rant Podcast. Thank you, sir. Thank you. Uh, how how do people get a hold of you and or follow your uh, your podcast? Okay, well the podcast is. Uh, uh, the website is www.avrant.com. Uh, my Twitter handle is uh, at uh, avrant underscore Tom. Uh, and to get your question answered uh, on our podcast, which we answer just about everything uh, AV and home theater related. Uh, in fact, if you want to ask me for a recipe, I'll answer that too. I don't really care. <laughs> uh, but you can get you can send us a question uh, questions uh, at well just question or questions at uh, avrant.com. If you want to send one to me directly, it's Tom at avrant.com, and my co-host is Rob, and you can email him as well at Rob at avrant.com. You get it to one of those. And we will put the question into the queue, and it will come up, uh, and we will answer it. Our podcasts go every Monday night at 9 p.m. Eastern time. We go for about, we usually podcast for about two hours, and then afterwards we have a hangout, uh, which usually starts around 11 p.m. And uh, anybody who's still around at that point uh, can pop in and uh, hang out with us, and we will answer your questions at that point. And also, you you mentioned the books. You are an author as well. So how do people get a hold of? Those? I am. You can go to www.tomandry.com and see my books. They're all uh, about a uh, private eye who is a, who is uh, lives in the world of superheroes or superpowered beings. He does not have superpowers, but uh, he investigates them and generally is a jerk. So kind of me, but without the people to harass. And and without the Groot shirt. So that's true. He doesn't have a Groot shirt because he's not that cool. All right. Last but not least, Karen Lipschitz from Kramer. Thank you, ma'am, for staying uh, staying late at work for us. Thank you. And how do people either get a hold of you or find Kramer? Um, you can always enter to Kramer website. Uh, it's kramerelectronics.com. Uh, we are selling in 85 countries, so you probably can find a distributor or our office. Uh, around you, and uh, you can find me in my LinkedIn, Karen Lipschitz, right. and I will be happy to answer any of your questions. All right, very good. Uh, my name is Tim Albright. Don't follow me, but go by the website if you would, please, avnation.tv, avnation.tv. You'll find this program and a host of others. Uh, we have programs from uh, education and tech managers to looking at programming and automation to lights to social media. You know, Joe mentioned the, the S marketing, uh, all sorts of stuff. You'll also find a list of underwriters there. These are the folks that help us do what we do. Uh, Kramer is, is one of those as well, so check that out if you would, please. avnation.tv, avnation.tv. Thanks so much for listening. Thanks so much for watching. This has been AV Week.